0: After weeks of blockades in Ottawa and border crossings in several provinces, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act to deal with what the PM calls an illegal obstruction. What was purported to be a protest against vaccine mandates for truckers has dragged on, and public opinion polls have shown a growing frustration with the blockades, but also for the government's handling of the issue. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Post-Media Ottawa Bureau Chief and National Post Columnist John Iveson joins me to discuss how we got to this point, why Trudeau may have overreached with the Emergencies Act despite public support, and what happens after the blockade ends. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So John... There's been a lot of developments over the last few days in Ottawa uh, with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoking the Emergencies Act. You are in Ottawa today. It's Wednesday morning, about noon your time on Wednesday. What is the latest on the ground there in the wake of what was seen as the nuclear option by the Prime Minister?
1: Well, for the first time, the police are handing out flyers telling people to leave the area now, essentially saying if you're blockading the streets you are committing a criminal offence and you may be arrested. I don't see any evidence that the protesters are taking it too seriously. It's not like there's a mass exodus off the hill. The pig roast is still going on on Kent Street. The trucks are all still lined up on Wellington, just in front of Parliament building. So I don't know whether that changes anything, but it does seem to suggest that things are maybe about to happen. Mm -hmm. Children's Aid Society of Ottawa is just issued a warning urging parents to make necessary alternate care arrangements should parents be unable to look after their kids as a result of police actions so there does seem to be a coordination on the official side that has been lacking up until now and I think many people in Ottawa would say not before time.
0: Obviously the situation is very fluid and, you know, there's a lag time between when we record this podcast and when it gets published, we're not live. So I don't want to dwell too much on what is going on. I'm kind of more interested in getting to the heart of how we got here. There was lots of talk about whether the prime minister would invoke the emergencies act. This is the successor to the war measures act, which was famously invoked by his father during the FLQ crisis in 1970. What was the kind of impetus to get us to that point where the Prime Minister took this step, whether it was necessary or not, whether it was an overreach or not, and we can discuss some of that, but how did we get to that point?
1: Well, to be honest, I don't think it's quite clear yet. I mean, you know, the the government has brought in the Emergencies Act. The public seems to be behind it, but I don't think the government has particularly explained why it has brought in the Emergencies Act. You know, I wrote about this today saying in 1970... Robert Stanfield, who was a progressive conservative leader, supported Pierre Trudeau and later wished he hadn't. Mm -hmm. There was a public mood at the time to do something pretty drastic, but Stanfield later came to the conclusion that it resulted in confrontation, escalation, disillusionment, and that things could have been quieted down with less dramatic and drastic measures. There was clear concern when the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor was blockaded that this was critical infrastructure and it could not be tolerated. But that was cleared before the Emergencies Act was invoked, as was the border in Alberta. So again, it's not quite clear to me why the Emergencies Act was needed, even in the case that I've just mentioned, where the the police are now handing out leaflets to people in Ottawa saying that they need to move on. That is being done under an existing statute, Mm -hmm. mischief uh, of property under the criminal code. So again, you know, whatever actions the police take in Ottawa, it doesn't look like the Emergencies Act was required. But I think that, they, you know, that the idea that there's a small, dedicated group that is determined to overthrow the government, the Trudeau government is playing on that to an extent. Now, it may be true, there certainly was clearly a cache of arms in Coutts, Alberta. Four men have been charged with plotting to murder RCMP officers. So that's a pretty serious development. There are, I'm sure, suspicions that... Something similar is taking place in the group in Ottawa. In fact, yesterday, Bill Blair, the emergency preparedness minister, and the public safety minister, Marco Mendicini, both referred to small organized bands who are determined to overthrow the government, hinting that there was a cache of arms in Ottawa too. And when you look at the order and council the government has put out to explain why it's using this, it's not very fulsome in its explanation, but it does suggest that terrorism is the motivating factor. Mm -hmm. So it may be that the government has come into possession of information that suggests it needed to do this, but it has not explained that information to Parliament or to Canadians. And I think that it needs to do so before people support the use of the Emergencies Act.
0: You mentioned Coots and you you mentioned Bill Blair, and and you note in your column that Bill Blair himself had said a week ago that the police have all the tools they need to deal with this. And as was shown in Coots and was shown in Windsor, they did deal with it. I know that they haven't articulated this, but are you getting the sense that there could be an even more sinister plot at play in Ottawa? Or do we just not know what is going on behind the scenes because they're not telling us?
1: I think that's the case. I mean, they're basically expecting us to take it on faith that these pretty draconian measures, I mean, you know, freezing bank accounts, cancelling insurance, stopping crowdfunding. I mean, these are pretty serious limitations on what most Canadians would take to be personal freedoms, and they may well be justified. But, uh, you know, I talked to Beatty yesterday, he's the president of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, but he was the defence minister when the Emergencies Act was brought in. He was the guy who steered it through Parliament. And they made sure when this thing came in that it was pretty layered, that there were protections against abuse, you know, there were sunset clauses, there were requirements that the government explain to parliament what they're doing, that there's a requirement that there's a public inquiry after the fact. So sooner or later, we'll have, probably later, we will find out exactly what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But it does look like there are being hints made that there is something going on that we don't know about.
0: Now, you mentioned, you know, they can freeze bank accounts, insurance can get canceled. What other powers does the government or by proxy police have under the Emergencies Act?
1: They're talking about increased fines, jail times. You know, the powers of the act are not quite spelled out yet. It's not clear exactly what they can do now that they couldn't do before. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that they're using existing provisions in the criminal code suggests we're not necessarily creating new offences. Although I guess, you know, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. You need to go into the legal fine print here. And it's not quite clear, I don't think, from the government's point of view. They haven't spelled out even to their own caucus, what precisely they intend to do that they couldn't do before. Mm -hmm. Under the the act, you can bring in special temporary measures. You can say that public assembly that might lead to a breach of the peace is now banned in a way that you couldn't. But it doesn't seem from what the flyer that's being handed to the truckers, that that's what the government is actually doing.
0: One of the things that I find interesting in all of this is the question of whether there's public support for these draconian measures. And it would seem to suggest that people in Canada are generally fed up with this group, whether some people want to call them truckers, some people want to call them protesters, some people want to call them terrorists, some people want to call them white supremacists. There's a whole gamut of emotion around what's going on in Ottawa right now. Do you feel that this gives the prime minister a little more leeway, perhaps than two weeks ago like even after the first trucks rolled into Ottawa that at this point because Canadians are so fed up with this you know they're fed up with the borders being closed they're fed up with these people honking their horns in Ottawa having parties in front of parliament bringing out their hot tubs and their bouncy castles and harassing people downtown that Trudeau kind of has the support of the public on his side in this case I
1: think he absolutely does in fact there's a a Maru public opinion poll for Post Media, which is going to be coming out on Thursday, which suggests two-thirds of the public supports Trudeau bringing in the Emergencies Act. Wow. Although I would note that <laughs> nine out of ten people probably don't know what that means. <laughs> the vast majority say that protests should have not gone on this long. Yeah. And that Canada has become an international embarrassment because of it. So, yeah, the public he, he does have the public on his side. I don't think that should allow people like us to give him a free pass on it. Mm -hmm. Stanfield certainly believed in 1970 that Trudeau's father used the War Measures Act to boost his own public standing. And there may well be an element of that in the government's response. Certainly one of the other findings is that politicians who've supported the blockade should be made to pay for it at the polls. So yeah, I think he's on the right side of public opinion. Again, I caution that we should maybe trust but ask for verification, which has not been forthcoming as yet. But it does leave a lot of implications for what comes next. I mean, when these protests are cleared, they will leave a mark. And I think that um, our poll suggests that three quarters of people are worried about future protests. Does this create a precedent? Two thirds of people worry, fear for the future of Canada Mm -hmm. and the ability Mm -hmm. of Canada to retain peace, order and good government. I mean, this is a real stain on the national reputation and on the feeling that most Canadians have about their own country, I think.
0: We'll be right back. We've already seen this protest play a large role in the ouster of Aaron O'Toole from the Conservative leadership. We've seen Ottawa's police chief resign. I know there's Talk about the mayor's role in all of this. There's also Premier Doug Ford, who has to face voters in late spring. And this factors into his whole pandemic performances as premier and then the role that the prime minister has played. I know there's a lot of blame being shared around. And, you know, even within his own party, the prime minister is facing heavy criticism for his rhetoric in ramping this up. How much of that is a concern for you, or or what do you make of claims that the Prime Minister has stoked the fire?
1: I think they're absolutely accurate. You know, I covered that election campaign on day one, standing outside Rideau Hall. He made the decision that vaccine mandates would be hopefully in the ballot question from his point of view. I mean, he politicized this issue quite deliberately using language like fringe, unacceptable views, racists, misogynists and created divisions for political advantage. I mean, that's what his own MPs are saying. You know, I said it right the way through the election campaign, that he would reap what he sowed. And I think he's now reaping what he sowed. Now, he may end up coming out of this in the short term on the side of public opinion. But I honestly think that in the longer term, when people take a longer look at this, he bears a lot of responsibility for where we are. One of the more worrying findings of this poll, the Maru public opinion poll, which we've got tomorrow, One third of Canadians are partial to taking violent action to protect their fundamental Canadian values. They take the view that if elected leaders will not protect their values, they and people like them must do it themselves, even if it means taking violent action. So that's a third of Canadians. That number rises to 45% in Alberta. Wow. That's a hugely worrying schism in our society. Mm -hmm. And to think that those people feel that their values are antithetical to what Trudeau has been proposing. And Trudeau pushed those values to the nth degree to win an election, barely. If he looks in the mirror, he knows himself he has contributed to this.
0: Through your reporting on this issue, you've spoken to some experts in the field of constitutional law and security law. What are people saying about the move to invoke the Emergencies Act?
1: Well, there's a feeling that the legal requirements to bring in the Emergencies Act may not be met. Crucially, that the threat to the ability of the government of Canada to preserve sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity could not be dealt with under any other law. I think we're seeing, just again reverting back to the leaflet that's being handed out by Ottawa Police, that they're invoking the same law that they were talking about last week. They're not saying, we now have an Emergencies Act and this gives us additional powers and therefore you have to move. Clearly in Windsor and in Coutts, existing laws prevailed and were used to move people along so that's certainly the view of constitutional lawyers that we actually have all the tools that we need and then I think the national security folks are more concerned with the fact that there's not enough information out there as far as what precisely is the power the government felt it wasn't able to get at under existing legislation why are we obliged to take it on blind faith that the legal thresholds are being met I mean, these are kind of constitutional niceties that most people are not going to be concerned about as truckers are still on Parliament Hill. But these are thresholds that the government is obliged to meet if it's going to bring in such drastic measures.
0: One last thought on this, and I'm curious to get your thoughts as well. You know, there is an argument to be made, as you pointed out before, about Justin Trudeau's role in this and fanning tensions saying that people who are against vaccine mandates or against vaccines or misogynists or racists, but there is also an element, as has been proven with the arrests in Alberta, and potentially we could see arrests coming in Ottawa, depending on what happens or what they discover, that there are people affiliated with this who have spoken out on behalf of this convoy who organize these events, who are part of this fringe, who are... If you go follow their social media full of hate-filled rhetoric, divisive rhetoric, veiled threats of violence, how does the prime minister, how do opposition politicians, how do they reconcile what was created potentially due to legitimate grievances with bad policy related to vaccine mandates for truckers or other policy with this element that wants to overthrow the government, that wants to see Trudeau gone, that You know, there's question of whether they're tied to other violent groups. How do we reconcile all of that? You know, you talk about wanting to, the candidate needing to move forward after this, and there's definitely a a schism here. But there are people on that side who are trying to stoke that division. For sure.
1: I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that the government should not have brought in the Emergencies Act. I mean, I think the act was designed as a measure of last resort. Mm -hmm. and the government is obliged to explain why it is using such a a, what um, Candace Bergen yesterday called a sledgehammer. Having said that, there are clearly people out there who are intent on mischief. There's an extremist called Jeremy McKenzie, who's all over the media, Pat King, some of these other leaders, they are intent on a confrontation, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. That is not something that the governments can negotiate their way around or deal with. I mean, at the end of the day. The rule of law has to prevail, and, and at some point that might require consequences. Yeah. But I do think that when all is said and done, the healing has to begin, and uh, the Prime Minister is going to have to acknowledge his part in it and lead the healing by starting to try and understand these divisions in our society. Some of the convoy people have been duped. It's as simple as that. They've been duped to feeling that they are the voice of the people, and they're taking on the elites to regain their freedom. And yet, when you look at the public opinion polling, three quarters of Canadians do not agree with them. They have to recognise the fact that they do not speak on behalf of the people. And they're not reclaiming freedom. And in fact, they're breaking the law. That is the kind of conversation that has to be had across the country. And it has to be had in Parliament. And it really annoyed me that the Prime Minister announced the Emergencies Act at a press conference. He didn't even announce it on the floor of the House of Commons where the duly elected members of Parliament can debate these things. I mean, they are the voice of the people. And they've not had their say yet.
0: It'll be uh, interesting to see how things unfold in Ottawa and elsewhere across the country in the coming weeks. John, thanks for your time. Thanks a lot. On Wednesday evening, Ottawa's interim police chief vowed to take back the entirety of the downtown core, adding that they were prepared for a lawful escalation. And by Thursday morning, there was an increased police presence in the area with fences being erected around government buildings, including Parliament Hill and the Senate. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, John Iveson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.